What I found is, and this is part of the reason why I think we love being in consumer products so much, is that when you have an inherently good product that lends itself to sharing, uh, people actually have a desire to share it. Do you want to impact the world and still turn a profit? Then you're in the right place. Welcome to Growth Everywhere. This is the show where you'll find real conversations with real entrepreneurs. They'll share everything from their biggest struggle to the exact strategies they use on a daily basis. So if you're ready for a value-packed interview, listen on. Here's your host, Eric Sue. Before we jump into today's interview, if you guys could leave a review and a rating and also subscribe as well, that would be a huge help to the podcast. So if you actually enjoy the content and you'd like to hear more of it, please support us by leaving us a review and subscribe to the podcast as well. Thanks so much. All right, everybody. Today, I have a very special podcast for you all. I'm actually interviewing three people that went to my high school and we actually all, well, two of them I used to hang out a lot with uh, in high school. So I'll just go ahead and introduce them. So we have Andrew, Jonathan, and Mike, who are the co-founders of Drip Club, which is a trusted online e-liquid slash vape shop. And they offer the highest quality e-liquids for electronic cigarette and vaporizer devices at the lowest prices. And I, my understanding is that they're going into other areas as well, which I'll let them kind of talk to or speak to. So how are you guys doing today? Thanks, thanks for, for having, having us. us. Yeah, thanks for being here. So... Andrew, why don't, I guess why don't you start off with telling us a little bit about, um, or I guess you guys can each introduce yourself, and uh, Andrew, you could talk about what the company is all about. Okay, cool. Yeah, this is Andrew. I'm the VP of Sales. Uh, yeah, this is Mike, Andrew, and Jonathan. I guess are the two original co-founders, and and I I kind of tagged along and I bullied them into allowing me to be the third co-founder. <laughs> uh, and my job is everything and anything. Official title is CEO, and then uh, Jonathan. Can, uh, hey, I'm Jonathan. I'm VP of products. Mike joined in so early on. He's definitely yeah, a, co- a co-founder definitely, as well. So definitely, for the yeah. record, yeah. he's definitely a co-founder. Cool. So just to, a little bit of background on you know how we started and, and where where we are today. Um, you know, basically we started as a online subscription service. So it's kind of like Birchbox, where you know we would send customers samples of e-liquid every month that they can try based on a specific flavor profile that they would fill out on our website. And so it was a highly curated and customized experience. We made our name in, in that space in the, in the industry and evolved very quickly you know, to become a distributor of the products to actual vape shops uh, in the industry. So we went from B2C to B2B essentially. And you know, we moved you know, upstream, up the value chain a little bit to start branding our own products. So now today we consider ourselves almost like a, a consumer uh, products company, you know, with our own portfolio, you know, of, of brands that we exclusively distribute. Like, and, like Red Bull. I would say that's probably a good parallel of, uh, uh, maybe a company that we aspire to that we, we really kind of appreciate and, and respect a lot of the stuff they do surrounding brand building. Got it. And what prompted the change? I mean, you guys, it sounded like you guys made some pretty significant changes right away and uh, you guys are going towards the, the, the Red Bull kind of model. What, I guess, what prompted all of this? I think uh, one of the, you know, we were really out there scouring the, the industry to look for the most premium flavors just to cater to the demand. There was a lot of noise out there and we wanted to cut through it. There's too many flavors to offer. Um, and we quickly realized not only were a lot of the flavors themselves and the experience was subpar, but the entire experience for the consumer on a branding level as well 
just wasn't up to our standards. So we dug a little bit deeper, um, made some really key partnerships with a lot of great people in this industry who manufacture as well as um, distribute the product. So we decided to take, to take a stab at it on our own with our own creative juices and, and decided to create our own first brand. And I think that's what really started to uh, or really opened our eyes to selling directly to shops, not only on uh, online. Got it. So if people, if, if I have a, if I have a vape shop and I'm looking to sell different flavors now is the idea, you know, is the idea for a drip club to kind of be the, the go-to shop whenever I want to kind of, you know, add inventory or just kind of buy stuff from my shop? Yeah, I think so. I think, uh, above and beyond just the source of obviously what we consider to be a, a very lucrative catalog for the retailers. We try to have value add above and beyond uh, just providing the best products and the best service. I think those are certainly two important pillars of uh, what creates a sustainable consumer products company. I think the third that we really take pride in is always thinking on behalf of our, you know, our customer base. Essentially, there a lot of them are small to medium-sized businesses that, depending on their size and depending on kind of where they're at in their growth cycle, a lot of times can benefit from you know certain insights that we might have that we might collect globally, as well as certain best practices, you know, that we can sort of advise them on because you know their success essentially translates into our success. And so we, we really try to, you know, take a very personal approach to ensuring that our customers are successful above and beyond, you know, just selling them product, but making sure that that product then in turn is being sold and is generating income for them and is being properly represented in the marketplace. So kind of taking a step above and beyond what you might consider the traditional distributor. Great. And can you give us an example, I guess a real life example of how you're making that customer experience better? Yeah. I mean, there are a few that I can think of off the top of my head and Andrew, feel free to supplement here, uh, are we have like, you know, fairly personalized high touch relationships that we try to build. So it's definitely not a, you know, e-commerce shop where you've got, you know, a shopping cart and, and, and that's pretty much it. That's the extent of your relationship with us. We will, you know, do things like ask the the customers, essentially these are vape specialty vape retailers, you know, what's not moving, be it our product or in many cases other products that they might have overordered or misordered. And we'll take that back at no charge and we'll actually give them equivalent credits for our products, which, you know, ostensibly I think move the needle for them a lot better than some of these things that have been collecting dust. And as you know, in retail, you know, shelf space is king. And so we want to make sure that whatever is on that valuable pressure shelf space is, is actually moving for them, you know, double points if it's obviously our product. So I think we, we have a high bar that we set for product. And then we, we meet that with these types of, you know, service guarantees. Another thing that we do is around the holidays, you know, uh, small business owners are so busy getting distracted, getting pulled, you know, in every which direction when it comes to planning that sometimes they'll miss out on, you know, poor things that, you know, the holidays for retail, I think, are where you can get the biggest incremental return on effort. And what I mean by that is if you run a sale on Black Friday versus running a sale any other Friday of the year, you might see a four or five times return on your effort. So we'll do things like, you know, have our account representatives reach out to the shops to make sure that they are, in fact, you know, pulling out all the stops for their customers for whatever sales they might be planning. Uh, we might be throwing in free products for them to give away. And, and sometimes we just give them tips. You know, we give them the reminders via our email campaigns 
that don't try to sell them anything, but just say, hey, you know, did you know that Black Friday is around the corner? You know, maybe you ought to think about putting together an event or, you know, putting together a sale or something like that. So I think sometimes a little bit goes a long way in that regard. And so in that way, I think we really see ourselves as kind of a value-added partner, not just a vendor. I don't know if uh, there's anything else. No, yeah, that was great. And I think help just, you know, our focus is really to just help them sell products. And, and so to the extent that we can invest in, you know, point of sale displays, making sure they're stocked up on, you know, flavor cards and marketing material, we invest a lot of time and money developing those things and offer to, to our customers for free so that, you know, when their customers come into their shop, it's a lot easier for them to push the product. So it really investing in, in their business as a whole, not just, you know, them sending us a check or a bank wire and, and cutting it off there. Awesome. Yeah. And I, I think, well, I guess in return, you know, they're going to remember you forever and they're going to stick with you, right? Because you're doing all this extra stuff for them. So I almost think of it as, as customer success, right? Sure. Yeah, absolutely. That's a, a good way to put it. Yeah. Okay, great. So can you guys share some numbers around the business today in terms of, you know, ballpark revenue and customer numbers? Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think maybe a good place to start is social media. I mean, so much of our traction and so much of what we've been able to build by way of brands have have really started and live on social media, specifically uh, Instagram, uh, Facebook to a lesser extent. There's a very active Instagram community surrounding vaping uh, and e-cigarettes. And I think you know, through that, we've been able to obviously grow our business. We were a very small business when we started in 2014. And in 2015, uh, so, you know, kind of the first year to second year, uh, we grew the business over a thousand percent. And that is completely not normal. I think uh, we, we definitely lucked out in terms of timing and, you know, in terms of being at the right place at the right time with a product that we thought people might want. So we we're very we consider ourselves very fortunate in that regard. But I think Jonathan can speak probably more to the social media in in terms of the growth and the numbers there because I think as of today we're almost uh, I think a quarter million uh, Instagram followers and and it's you know he'll explain a little bit of what makes this industry unique insofar as not being able to overtly advertise and do like you know paid advertising campaigns which for most other consumer products categories or companies you can do. So we're a little bit unique in the way that, you know, we sort of acquire customers. Great. So Jonathan, do you want to, do you want to speak to kind of what Instagram has, has done for you guys? I'm staring at your Instagram right now. And yeah, a quarter of a million Instagram followers. I mean, that that's crazy. So what has it done for you so far and how did you guys get here? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, we were very limited in terms of the options that we had. We quickly found out that Facebook and Google had already jumped the gun and categorized their ad abilities within the realm of excluding us out because we were categorized in the tobacco category. So, you know, Andrew, Mike, and I, we were continuing to think about what would be the best way to get as much reach as possible. And at the time, Instagram, there were a lot of lifestyle brands that really influenced us to, you know, that were building their businesses just through that platform. So, we wanted to focus around sharing really great content and ultimately creating our own content more as a lifestyle brand than just throwing out ads and saying, Hey, buy this, you know, this new product is launched and, and, and et cetera. But, um, starting out, we really focused on, um, sourcing great products that we essentially invested in with our own dollars to give away. And we wanted to build 
of following through the giveaways and also pepper in great content that we wanted to share. So a lot of our audience started out following us because they liked the cool things that we presented to them and shared as well as gave away really cool product. And then we would transfer or do our best to transfer those followers onto Facebook as well as obtaining as um, an email list just to further build our other channels to, to, to provide new content. Got it. Okay. Fantastic. And so how much, I mean, approximately just ballparking here to get to this, this 242 K followers right here, how much, how much stuff do you think you gave away in terms of dollar amount? Oh, you know, the first time I remember the first time Andrew and I, we were thinking we went to this um, shop and we saw this really highly prized product that, um, you know, most people wanted, but wouldn't drop the money for. And, you know, at the time, $300 was a lot to us, but that was kind of our first effort. Yeah. You know, you know, what's interesting. I think that we actually, as our channel grew, we spent less and less money because here, here's the cool part of Instagram right. where you basically, what we did was we asked for free products in exchange for sending for exposing their channel on our Instagram as well. And so it was kind of a collaboration where we would identify maybe some other brands in the industry who had their own IG channels or other influencers. And we would do joint giveaways where we'd expose each other's channels and kind of build off of each other's communities. And because that was so valuable, people were willing to give us free juice, you know, free mods and things like that. And so honestly, it didn't really cost that much dollars. It really was just time on our end to coordinate those giveaways. Right. Yeah, I would say, you know, if you had to put a ballpark number on it in terms of retail value it's it's probably now in the five or six figures easily in terms of retail value of products we've given away and i think that obviously helps on the community building front because at the end of the day this is a very engaged community online and we like to try to be you know in the middle of as many of those conversations as possible got it awesome now the so, so I'm looking at you talked about using you know your Instagram and other people's kind of Instagrams too. You know, are you guys doing anything else on the influencer marketing front because that's that's a topic that's kind of growing in terms of trends. Well, in terms of new products. Yeah, I think Jonathan can speak more to kind of the influencer placements or the influencer kind of shout outs or features. Those actually, you know, interestingly are very organic. I think what, um, at least for me, what I've found is, and this is part of the reason why I think we love being in consumer products so much, is that when you have an inherently good product that lends itself to sharing, uh, people actually have a desire to share it, you know, and I think there's probably, you know, some psychology at work there where, the, you know, there might be uh, sort of uh, social influence points that, you know, someone might sort of think subconsciously they're, they're racking up as they're sharing something of value to other people. So I think a lot of the influencer placements have been very organic by way of just creating really cool products. And, and I think Jonathan, you know, definitely has to take a ton of the credit for that. He's our VP of product and he's like the guy for all of our products. And, you know, he's, he's sitting here um, shaking his head right now, but, but <laughs> it's, a team, it's a team effort for sure. <laughs> I think one interesting thing that we have done is uh, more on the deliberate end of, you know, doing product licensing is we teamed up about a year ago, I would say, um, so when we first had the conversation with a DJ or an EDM producer uh, by the name of Brills. He's signed to Diplo's um, Mad Decent label, and he happened to be a friend of a friend of, of, of I think, Jonathan Andrews. Your guys is... Um, it was Tiffany. Right, right it was yeah. Tiffany. Yeah, Tiffany yeah. knows her too. Small world. Small Very small world. world. Yeah. Hi, Tiff. <laughs> yeah. And it was like, I think, serendipitous that 
we happen to find out that he was a huge, you know, uh, vape fanatic. Uh, and I think he, he quit cigarettes because uh, he started vaping, right? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, so it was, you know, it was kind of the perfect storm of an influencer that actually really enjoyed the product and, and actually wanted to have a, you know, a hand in developing product that catered to his taste and that he could market to his audience. And so many months later, uh, we, we actually ended up launching a product that was licensed that, that had his brand uh, called Twonk on it. So it's called Twonk Juice. And uh, yeah, that ended up being uh, also very successful because we thought, you know, we were able to really use the social influence, the, the sort of joint goodwill that was created between the Drip Club and Twonk brand sort of colliding to promote this new product. So that was exciting. Yeah. And I think our collaboration with Brills is just one example of, you know, when you're creating a desirable product, naturally, you know, we, we always look out for, you know, building relationships with good people within the industry, which could potentially lead to something greater. And I think, you know, we we're always very active of seeking out those types of people so that we can continue to, you know, build our brand reputation in association with others who are doing things the right way. So from an influencer level, we've always had, we've always been active to really build relationships, see what other people are doing in this industry and potentially collaborate because, you know, as we grow through these collaborations, it, it's a, it's a win-win situation. So, you know, one step at a time, it's, it, it definitely snowballs, um, to something greater, especially when you're, um, um, working on product together. Great. And Jonathan, how do you go about finding these influencers? What's one tactic you use that's super effective? Oh, that's a, that's a great question. Every step of the way, we started out as a subscription company building our Instagram, you know, contacting and, and scraping through your newsfeed, following the right accounts, just observing, you know, the type of content that they're pushing out and the type of influence that they're, they're creating. You know, either sometimes I would meet them face to face at a trade show or an event or just directly messaging them and, and proposing an idea to them. And sometimes it may not, um, necessarily sprout, um, right off the bat. But over time, as you're building your own reputation, other influencers may see you, may talk within the industry. And yeah. I think one thing I would add to that is, I mean, we started pretty early on in this industry. And so we essentially grew with a lot of people. A lot of people may not necessarily have the biggest following when we first contacted them, but over time, they've grown significantly. So it's more of, you know, if you find good people to interact with and, and kind of work together in whatever industry you're in, you never know how big their influence can get, right? And so it's like, it's about investing in people early on. And right. that way, when they get really big, you know, it's kind of a lot easier to access them than, you know, than when they, their following is huge because they probably have a thousand people trying to reach out to them now, right. you know, so. Yeah, I think I think that actually makes a lot of sense because a lot of people they they often try to think about reaching to the the biggest influencers and what you're saying right now is you know nobody is is too small and then you know eventually those can those can become something bigger and I think the the bigger picture item here is is that you know a lot of people that listen to this podcast think about okay you know what can I do with Facebook ads what can I do with Google AdWords and what can we do to kind of you know continue to scale after we raise like a you know a big round of money but that's just now not how it works for you guys and then you know people trying to sell guns and things like that doesn't work for that, them, them either. So, you know, you guys have found, you know, influencer marketing to, to really work for you. And I encourage 
the audience to kind of dig deeper and, and see how to make that work because you know you talk about YouTube influencers, Instagram influencers, and probably Snapchat influencers. It's just going to get bigger and bigger. So great job on that. So I want to switch gears a little bit. Got a few more questions here. This is more a this is more for you and you know Jonathan and Andrews, especially starting this thing out. You know when you have two best friends starting a company. I mean, what are some big struggles you faced? You know, growing this thing. Man, I, I do think that a common piece of advice out there is that, you know, don't work with your friends because, you know, things can blow up and, 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 uh, things can, can go wrong. But I, I do think that just like any other relationship is about the communication aspect of it. And so the benefit of us being very good friends is that we are, well, number one, we have no egos. Number two, we were very blunt with each other in terms of like what we thought and how we felt about certain ideas. And, and so, you know, I think, I think that through that process and the same, we have the same relationship with Mike as well. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, there's a a lot of confidence that no matter what ideas are on the table, we will always arrive at the best decision or, or best path forward. So I guess the challenge, you know, was, the communication aspect, which we, I think we have definitely mastered. And and that's how, you know, that's how we've, we were able to grow to, to where we are today, really. Yeah. Communication and trust is, is extremely important. You can get, be way more productive with the day to day, knowing that your partners have your back along with the rest of your team. You know, it could go both ways, Mm -hmm. knowing Andrew since the first grade. And then it feels like I've known Mike all my life now. Um, We know each other's strengths and weaknesses throughout each part of the process as the business grows. And I think in the beginning, what was really important is how we defined each other's roles. Yeah. That was a, that was a challenge as well, just because, you know, in the beginning we were, all three of us were doing a little bit of everything together, but we quickly found out that that wasn't the productive way to really scale. So really defining the roles with each other, amplifying our strengths was very key. And, and we, we've been able to persevere um, through our challenges ever since. At what stage did you guys decide, holy crap, like we're doing too many things, like we need to, you know, we need to really define our roles. I guess, you know, is there, is there a specific turning point or a story that you can share? I think Mike can definitely, because Mike had a third person view kind of joining us and, and observing us from the start? Yeah. I mean, I, I joined probably a couple of months. Well, I, I have a kind of interesting story to tell. So <laughs> so Jonathan, Andrew, and I used to go out on the weekends, like like normal people, like normal friends. Mm-hmm. We'd hang out. And then all of a sudden, Jonathan, Andrew would kind of disappear uh, for, for weeks at a time. And then I'd get the uh, occasional Snapchat for, at like 3 in the morning from, I forget it was Andrew or Jonathan, but it was of the other person uh, packing boxes and printing shipping labels. And so I, so I was thinking to myself, you know, either things are going horribly because, you know, why are they up at 3 a.m. packing boxes? These guys obviously, you know, uh, the value of their time is greater or things are going, you know, horribly right because they're up till 3 a.m., you know, packing boxes because it's just, you know, so successful. But in any case, you know, having sort of been there from the beginning, uh, just, you know, as friends and seeing them really, uh, take their vision, uh, through the, the process of actually executing and starting the company and getting, you know, traction and, and their first sets of customers. It was really rewarding for me. And when I stepped in, I, I think I really did have a third party perspective as, as Jonathan kind of mentioned. Previously, I had, uh, started and grew, uh, an e-commerce company that I ended up uh, exiting or selling to a strategic acquirer. So in that process, I, I, I learned a lot about the value of, you know, your time and, and making sure you're being effective and not necessarily efficient 
you know, as measured by the sort of aggregate output of, of effect um, that you have through your work and not necessarily just how, you know, efficient you can be at some, you know, minutia that, that it ultimately is not really going to impact anything materially. So I, I kind of had that um, perspective that I brought and and I think, you know, Jonathan and Andrew being uh, extremely sort of open-minded, but also very execution uh, focused, we were able to quickly sort of see that, hey, you know what, this is working. How do we scale it? How do we scale the effect, uh, uh, effectiveness of, of what we can, you know, achieve as a team and, and that sort of created this uh, really need to uh, divide and conquer um, and identify roles, you know, strengths, weaknesses, put it all on the table. I think we literally, you know, we're driving back from, from, a, from a vendor meeting or something and, and uh, one, one afternoon when we were still operating out of Jonathan's house. And, you know, I said, hey, let's sit down and let's define our roles. It was like totally random, um, but it just that. kind of... Yeah, it kind of built up to that point where he said, okay, well, you know what? Maybe we all don't need to be on all the vendor calls all the time. Maybe we all don't need to, you know, sort of be doing all the same things all the time, but, but maybe it's time to kind of to divvy up some of the work so that we could be a lot more effective as a team. And that, that I think was the catalyst for how we operate today. It just clicked right after that, like quite literally. That's great. Okay. So, I mean, Jonathan and Andrew, you guys were working until, until 3 a.m. So, you know, how often are you guys working now? Are you guys working like a typical, like, are you guys working till 6 or 7 p.m.? How does that look now? Yeah, yeah. I would say it's more balanced. I mean, we, we believe in work-life balance for sure. I mean, you know, yeah. we're not Elon Musk, so we don't, <laughs> you know, but in the early days, I, we did, you know, work on the weekends too, just because it's literally the three of us, right? So um, we have a bigger team now, so we're able to, yeah, work till maybe 7 p.m. Okay. You got, you guys are still probably working on the weekends though, right? Because to me, this thing's like a game, so I, I just like working all the time. I don't know if it's the same way. Yeah, I mean, to a certain extent, right? Like, it's hard to peel yourself away completely. Right. Like, there's always, I think the weekends are a good time to think about the challenges ahead and without, you know, it's different if in an office setting when you have a lot of, you know, your team members that you're in, interfacing with, you know, on a regular basis. But on the weekend, it's more of a strategic time to like really kind of set the strategy and, and, and goals for the next week. So yeah, I mean, it's like, it's not like we're peeling away completely, but we do take some time off to, to reset. So great. I just have some quick rapid fire questions for you guys. I'm going to, I'm going to split them out. Um, so Jonathan, this one's for you. What's one piece of advice you'd give to your 22 year old self? get started as soon as possible. I think, you know, being in college and, you know, growing up in the city of Arcadia, Eric, you know that all too well. There's definitely a set list of things that you would like to achieve at that age and, and moving into college and, and post-college. But I think there are a lot of instincts that I had that were unconventional to pursue other things. And I, I think listening to your instincts um, more so on an, at an early age, a lot of times going against the grain, is something I would tell my 22-year-old self. Oh, and by the way, to the audience, uh, Jonathan was actually one of my roommates uh, when we went to school in San Diego. <laughs> yeah, for two years. <laughs> yeah. Uh, moving on here. So, Andrew, this question is for you. What's one productivity hack you can share? So, for example, it might be you know sleeping with your phone far away and then having to wake up and walk to it. Well, I mean, I think the past year, two years, I've, I've taken up some mindful mindfulness. So that's if you know, it, it's another way of saying meditation. And I, I thought that incorporating a little bit of that into each day, uh, I mean, I admittedly, I don't do it every day, but, um, I think that 
the days I do do it, there's a long lasting effect in terms of being able to stay even keeled because I think in doing what we're doing, it's very easy to get overwhelmed and have ADD almost because there's so many different things pulling you in so many different directions. But um, I think doing meditation can really help you focus and, and not be so, I guess, overwhelmed by all the different things calling to you, you know, so... Great. And what, uh, which app do you use for that? Do you use like Headspace or Calm? Headspace, actually. Great. And Mike, the final question is for you. What's one must-read book you'd recommend to everyone? Yeah, the one that I always go back to, I've, I've reread it probably three times, uh, is Good to Great by Jim Collins. I think it's, I mean, I, I like the fact that it's it's almost an academic study of what you know empirically makes companies great as opposed to being just good. Uh, and I think, um, there are a lot of actionable things in there that, that, you know, can add value no matter how big or small a business, uh, you run. I love it. Well, guys, this has been really great. I think this adds a lot of insight because everyone thinks, you know, it's all about just, you know, driving paid traffic. But, uh, you know, when, when life makes it hard for you, you know, you guys have to figure out another way. And I think you guys have proven it. But Jonathan, I guess this question is for you. What's the best way to find you guys online? www.thedripclub.com. It would be the best way. Yeah, that's our that's our online e-commerce website, and uh, yeah, if you want to see the products that we have, go on there. You can see you know all the all the different um, e-liquids that we sell. All right, awesome. Thanks so much, guys. Thanks, Eric. Thanks, Eric. Thanks for listening to this episode of Growth Everywhere. If you loved what you heard, be sure to head back to growtheverywhere.com for today's show notes and a ton of additional resources. But before you go, hit the subscribe button to avoid missing out on next week's value-packed interview. Enjoy the rest of your week, and remember to take action and continue growing.